Hello, Chakra Queens. This episode of Chakra Girl Radio is brought to you by the brand new Rituals by Chakra Girl app, which is available on the App Store or Google Play or even on your desktop. Yes, I finally launched an app and it is a video library of all of my favorite rituals, the rituals and meditations that I do every single day for the modern spiritual woman who also enjoys the finer things in life. And you are getting a seven day free trial and I'm making it easy for you. I'm removing the guesswork from your daily spiritual work. So you can either do our daily suggested ritual that ranges from three to 30 minutes, most of them around the 12 minute mark, or you can search and choose your own ritual. You can search by time if you are in a rush and want to do something shorter, or you can also do your daily ritual based on how you feel that day. You can search by what you want to manifest, what chakra you want to work on, or if you're feeling spicy and want to access your multidimensional goddess powers, you can do one of our advanced rituals and really up your spiritual game. We believe that you're your own healer, and we're just here helping you access the tools and the knowledge and the confidence that are already within you that are going to transform your life. And we are doing everything in this app from morning gratitude to energy clearing, to time traveling, to finding your purpose, manifesting abundance, and just getting more clarity overall to deepen that intuition with so much in between. So many women are already DMing me daily, telling me that these rituals are changing their lives. So get your seven day free trial today. Go to shockergirlco.com. And I'm also giving you 15% off when you subscribe to the annual membership with the coupon code podcast. So once you've subscribed at shockergirlco.com, you can either ritual with us from the web, or you can then download the app from the app store or Google Play, enter in your username and password, and you are ready to ritual. And we're so excited to see you on the app. So go to shockergirlco.com and start your seven-day free trial and save 15% off the annual membership with coupon code podcast. Welcome to Shocker Girl Radio. We've created a community of spiritual women who know that you can still enjoy the finer things while you're on your soul's journey to live your dharma and your most chakra-aligned life. Let's dive into this episode. Welcome to Chakra Girl Radio. You guys are going to love this episode. We're talking to Dr. Anthony Chafee. He is a medical doctor, a nutritional researcher, and we are going in on the benefits of the carnivore diet and lifestyle. So we're going to be talking about the health benefits of the carnivore lifestyle, how vegetables might be causing more harm than good. We're going to talk about the history and the agendas behind vegan propaganda, and also how to get started with the carnivore diet without being overwhelmed. And before we dive in, I want to share my personal experience with it. So I actually call it a meat forward diet. (laughs) I am not a hundred percent meat only, and I'm going to break that down for you guys. So I decided to do it. My husband always comes up with these wild ideas and he's such a researcher and I always trust his guidance. He's always like ahead of the curve. And he decided he wanted to go carnivore. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. You do that. I'll just like eat a little bit more meat and keep eating everything else too. But then I started eating more meat. And for example, he would like just cook two steaks for lunch without any sides. And I would be like, eh, whatever. I'll just eat this. I'm not going to like just make a side for myself. And I would just have it. And then I was really, Realizing, like when I was eating just 
meat, I was actually feeling better. And so little by little, I just started cutting out more things and I actually didn't even realize I was cutting them out. I don't even want to say I was cutting them out. It was like I was adding in more meat and then there was just wasn't room for anything else. I wasn't hungry for anything else. I wasn't craving anything else. I didn't want anything else. I wasn't even really eating fruit and I was feeling actually really good. And I noticed that cutting out that sugar made me so so much less anxious. And I never was thinking about food. And I used to like, before I started this, I would sometimes get that like graspy feeling like, oh, like I need something. I like need a treat or like I need something sweet after I eat. But on this, you know, meat forward diet, I really don't. So I did a solid like three weeks straight carnivore with just meat eggs, a little bit of dairy. And I felt amazing. This was before we went to Mexico the last time. And my skin was looking fabulous. My hair was getting thicker and stronger. My eyebrows, I noticed were even growing like crazy. Like I was having to trim my eyebrows all the time, which is so funny. Um, I had eczema on my head and that was like, it was like kind of like behind my ears. And I literally had that since I was 12 years old, like on and off. Um, and I actually don't think it's now it's totally gone. And I think this is probably the longest it's been gone ever since I was 12 years old. My abs were popping. There's just more muscle definition overall. I was working out less, but feeling more toned. Like I was not bloated at all. And I noticed that my libido really picked up. So maybe that was Frank's agenda all along. And I had no more mystery bruises. And here's the thing. My iron levels were always normal and the doctors were always perplexed as to why I was always having these mystery bruises. And, you know, now I don't have them anymore. So I don't know if it was the iron or if it was zinc or what it was, but I don't know. My skin is looking flawless and it all happened really, really quickly. So like I started seeing those results in literally like two weeks, maybe less. And I think the most important thing, like I've said, is not just the physical, not just the vanity stuff, although that's great too, but I was feeling less anxious. I was not having like repetitive negative thoughts. I was more focused, like just less of that chatter and then less of that graspy feeling, less thinking about food. And then I went to Mexico. I was eating all the tacos and tequila, but I it was honestly like, even then, like I wasn't going crazy. Like I still felt like so much more in tune with my body and eating things that felt good, even though I wasn't, you know, under a diet or like, you know, giving myself rules while I was away. And then I found when I came home from my trip, it was so much easier to bounce back into my routine and also so much easier to just start feeling really, really good after, you know, being tired from a trip, you know, eating not the best, drinking the tequilas. And usually it takes me like probably two weeks to feel amazing after going on a trip. It takes me a while to get back into my sleeping routine, my workout routine, you know, eating properly. It takes me like a week usually to even just start getting back into the routine and then another week or so to feel good. So, you know, it takes a couple weeks to get back to it. But this time I got back, I was back on the carnivore situation like two days after getting home. And then, you know, within two days after that, 
I was like, holy shit, I feel amazing. You know, no more bloat. And it was just, you know, I was feeling back to optimal energy levels. So I have brought some fruit back into my diet. Uh, Some carnivore influencers do fruit, some do potatoes, some do honey. Uh, But Dr. Chafee is a little bit more, you know, just the meat. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But I have noticed like even just eating the fruit, I don't feel as good. Like I noticed that I'm starting to crave the fruit and have that graspy feeling about fruit. Like after I eat, I'm like, oh, I need something sweet. And I didn't have that before when I wasn't doing the fruit. So I'm going to play around with that. And Dr. Chafee makes a really good point in today's episode about how we have actually, not we, they, the darkness, has added more sugar to our fruit. So what we buy at the grocery store is very manipulated and they've manipulated the seeds and, you know, everything is way more sweet than if it had just evolved naturally. So you'll hear us talk a little bit about that today, but I still, like I said, I'm doing bananas, berries, avocado, and papaya. So I'm calling it the meat forward diet. And I actually had my best friend's wedding this weekend. So I indulged a bit. And then when we got home, my parents made me risotto. So I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause they were babysitting my dog. And then we came home and then they were like, we're staying for dinner and we'll make what, whatever we can find in your cabinets. And we had risotto and it was insane. So I'm back on it today, (laughs) feeling amazing, but I did even just those two days in a row of not eating just meat, I feel the difference. Like I don't feel optimal. I feel a little bit anxious and I'm, you know, ready to just be back into the groove. So I would say I'm like 90% carnivore, maybe one non-carnivore meal per week, maybe some wine once in a while if it's a social thing. But like I said, it's pretty easy to stay carnivore even in social settings. Like we talk about this on today's episode as well. Like vegetarians do it, you know, how, why can't carnivores do it? So I just want to talk a little bit about what I eat in a day. So I have like more than a hundred grams of protein a day. I don't really count, but definitely more than a hundred. When I first started doing this diet, I was eating like two to three meals per day. And around 11 AM, I would have eggs, maybe a piece of bacon or something, um, sometimes like a bit of ground beef in my eggs, which is like so filling. And then often I wouldn't even think about lunch and I would hold off for dinner and I really wouldn't need anything else. But if I felt like I needed lunch, you would have like some steak or fish or a piece of chicken. And then dinner again would be like steak or fish. And then usually we would add prawns, lobster, scallops, something like that. And then usually like a little bit of potatoes or some avocado, maybe some olives. Also hot tip. I love putting borsan cheese on my steak. It's so freaking good. Um, but honestly, sometimes I'll just eat a big slab of steak on its own with nothing else. And that's my meal. That's my dinner. And that's is what it is. But we always do grass fed, usually prime rib. I like the fattier cuts and we'll talk in this episode as well about why fat actually is good for us. Uh, And then my favorite snack, you guys, it's so good. It's cottage cheese with papaya and raspberries. And I don't know if maybe it sounds gross, but it's actually so delicious. But lately, rather than doing like two or three meals, I've been doing like one big meal. So around like 11 or 12, if I'm hungry, I will have some fruit or like a little bit of cheese or something like that. But 
if I'm hungry, I'll eat. Like, let's put it that way. If I'm hungry, I will freaking eat. But if I'm not, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's lunchtime. I should have something. So usually around like four o'clock, I'll have a big meal. So I'll have steak, prawns, scallops, you know, all the things all in one meal. And I'm not like pigging out. Like I'm just eating until I'm full, not even full, just like satiated, feeling good, still energized. And then I'm not hungry again. And then I'm not hungry again until, you know, the next day. And I know that's not for everyone. So never starve yourself in the name of fasting. For me, I know my digestion is a little bit slow. So I eat um, to eat three meals a day for me. It just doesn't feel good. And I feel heavy. I've never been one to eat breakfast. Um, I was counting my calories a bit at the beginning of doing this just to see kind of where I was landing. And sometimes I do count them. But again, if you have disordered eating, do not do that. And for me, it just kind of lets me see where I'm at. I never want to be like going totally crazy. Uh, I know a lot of these foods are higher calories, but most people that do carnivore say that like calories really mean nothing if you're eating the right calories and you're eating a high protein, high fat diet. So Dr. Chafee and I were actually talking after we stopped recording and he said something I wanted to mention to you guys. So he does the extreme because that's what makes him feel optimal. So he's like beef only and that's it. And that's his conscious choice, but don't think that you need to be hundred percent balls to the wall, only steak and get mad at yourself. If you stray, like that just does the opposite effect and puts you into stress. So that's why I just say I'm doing the meat forward diet because I truly know that if my body was craving a green juice or a vegetable, I would have it, but it just hasn't. I haven't been craving that stuff. I used to crave, crave green juice all the time and I just have not thought about it at all. So it's just nice to have this deeper connection with my body. And here's the thing, your job is to feel good. And, you know, when you know what makes you feel good, cause you've kind of cut things out and you're, you know, maybe slowly adding some things back in, you're going to see how they make you feel like I said with fruit. And then you can kind of play around and you can make a conscious choice. So I can say, okay, you know, I know I really want something sweet. Do I really need to have these blueberries or do I just want to have these blueberries? <laughs> and whether I decide to have them or not, there's no wrong answer, but I made the decision from a conscious place. I wasn't just eating because I thought I was supposed to eat them or I thought I should eat them or I thought I wanted to eat them. Like I really thought about it. So we're going to get into this episode. Let us know how you like it, what you think, if you have any questions. Um, but also Dr. Chafee has a lot of good, inf good information on his $3 a month membership where you can ask him questions anytime. So we're going to be linking you to that as well. And yeah, I'm excited for you guys to hear about this. You really wanted it. So let's dive in. Welcome to Chakra Girl Radio. I'm your host and spiritual BFF, Amberly Lyons, and we are on a mission to make the world more consciously chic and quantumly connected, one activated chakra at a time. Today, we have a very interesting and super smart guest, Dr. Anthony Chafee. He's a medical doctor and nutritional researcher and host of the Plant Free MD podcast, which focuses on animal nutrition to optimize health and performance. I know so many of you guys have been asking me about my meat for 
straightforward diet. And we all love uncovering false narratives that the government and food industries have been preaching to us. So what I love about Dr. Anthony is that he shares nutritional info in a very digestible way. Yes, the pun was intended there. And a lot of carnivore influencers are kind of living this extreme lifestyle that doesn't seem super realistic for many of us. But Dr. Anthony is just living life, making it seem possible. Plus he's an actual doctor. So we love that. So super excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. So other than eating meat all day, what is a daily <laughs> ritual that you never skip? Well, it's, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to have, have rituals, but I, I do often like to, to go to the gym and, and uh, you know, train. I have, I've been playing sports since I was a kid and, uh, and, you know, that was, that was my career for 10 years before medical school was playing, playing rugby professionally. So I do like to, to work out. I do still like to play rugby, but with my work at the moment, it's just so demanding. I can work anywhere from 90 to 135 hours a week at wow. the hospital. And then I'm trying to do YouTube videos and, and interviews. So it, it's, it can be quite difficult at the moment. My, my only like true ritual is actually just eating meat, but I do try to get, I do try to get to the gym uh, when I can, but it's, it's sometimes difficult. You really like doctor slash influencer living two lives and trying yeah, to squeeze I, it all in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the influencer side of things. That's, that's still a bit weird for me, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I've, I've been doing research into this for a number of years and I have a uh, you know, background in it just you know, 20 years ago, just because of my own interest in nutrition for my, my own performance as an athlete. And so it all, all ties in together with medicine and, and, you know, because nutri nutrition is the basis of health. You, know, you, mm -hmm. you can't really be healthy if you don't have proper nutrition. You're not giving your, your body what it needs and you're taking in things that are harmful. So as a doctor, I think it behooves us to be very conscious of nutrition because this, this solves so many issues and mm -hmm. addresses so many problems that, that people just aren't aware of. So mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I am just trying to get that information out for doctors and, and just every, every normal person. And so I think it's really important to do that. So I've, I've done a lot of interviews such as this for the past four or five years, but I've never really had my own platform. And I just thought that it would be better. I'd be better able to get the message out there if I started putting out my own material. So that's why I started doing it, but it's still a bit, still a bit weird. <laughs> Well, you're doing a great job. So tell us, I want to know more about your personal journey with the carnivore diet. Do you, do you can, do you call it carnivore diet? I know some people call it carnivore lifestyle and mm -hmm. you kind of just talk about how, and I call it meat forward. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think you talk the way that you describe it is how, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, calling something a diet just, you know, gives it, gives it a, a, this sort of sense of transient, uh, you know, a transient nature. Like you go on a diet so that you can fit into your prom dress or your, your jeans from high school or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, where, so some people call it like a way of life or a way of eating. I am happy with whatever anybody mm -hmm. wants to, to call it, but yeah, I would, I'd call it carnivore, uh, you know, carnivore lifestyle, carnivore mm -hmm. way of eating carnivore diet. I don't really mind, mm -hmm. but yeah. Uh, I guess it, it just, you know, sometimes when you call something a diet though, it sort of feels like you're just doing it for a temporary bit and then exactly. you go back to doing something else. So, so I do you, this so you started time. this when you were having like going through your rugby career and it was mm -hmm. just more like an interest or did you have some kind of health situation and needed to try something or how did it kind of come about? 
Yeah, I, you know, a lot, a lot of people do come, you know, radically change their diet because of health reasons. And that's very understandable. I, you know, wasn't um, in that position. I just, I just wanted to do the best for my body so that I could feel my best. And that's, that's still what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was, I guess about 19 or 20, I, I was taking cancer biology at the University of Washington in Seattle. And we were going through the fact that, you know, plants defend themselves uh, by using toxins and, and other measures, but they all use toxins. And some and anyone who studied horticulture or studied botany, you know, understands this, that they're, you know, all plants have at least some baseline toxicity. And then certain animals have evolved defenses to those poison, those, those toxins so that they can eat them safely. But most plants are inedible. You know, we know that, you know, you can't just go out into the woods and just eat any, any random plant. You really have to know what to eat or you, you will get very sick or even die. So this is, this is a, a, you know, a fact of all plants is that they, they do use some sort of toxin to protect themselves. Otherwise they would go extinct. Animals would just eat them to extinction. Um, you know, plants are living organisms. They want to stay living organisms. And if you eat them, they die. And so Every, every living thing has a defense while animals can run away or fight back because they don't want to be eaten either. So they have defenses, but their defenses are kinetic. Plants can't move. So they have to use other forms of defense. And, and one of those major defenses is by, by you know, having their tissue be poisonous. Whereas, you know, a deer doesn't have, their meat doesn't have to be poisonous because they can run away or they can fight you. So that's what they've developed. We were going through this in cancer biology and looking at it from a cancer perspective. So we were just looking at things, the different carcinogens that were in vegetables that we would eat on a regular basis. So we learned that, you know, 20 some years ago that we had already discovered 136 separate carcinogens just in Brussels sprouts Mm -hmm. and over 100 in mushrooms and spinach, kale, lettuce, celery, cabbage, cucumber, broccoli, everything that you would find in a grocery store. We were given, you know, sheets with all the different toxin um, carcinogens in them and not a single one had less than 60. We were quite taken aback by this, um, especially because we were also taught that they were quite abundant. You know, I mean, just having 60 carcinogens doesn't necessarily mean anything if, if, it's, if it's a minuscule amount, but actually they're quite abundant. Uh, the University of uh, California, Berkeley, Professor Bruce Ames in 1989 published a study looking at the, the toxins naturally occurring in plants as compared to pesticides, because they were trying to ban pesticides at the time and saying that, well, these things are toxic, we shouldn't use them. And he sort of said, well, we've been using these for 80 years, they've never caused a problem. Let's take a look. And they found that the naturally occurring toxins that were in plants like mushrooms or spinach outweighed the pesticides that we were spraying on them by a factor of 10,000. So 99.99% of the pesticides and insecticides were naturally occurring in the plant. And the naturally occurring ones were orders of magnitude more likely to cause cancer than the pesticides. So that's why we still have pesticides because compared to the vegetable, it's actually not causing a significant amount of harm compared to the vegetable. So this was, this was obviously very, very stunning news. Everyone was just sure that he was joking, but then we realized that like, no, he's very serious. And I remember thinking to myself, very confused, you know, aren't, but aren't vegetables still good for you? And he just looked at us and he just gives a funny look. And he said, I don't eat salad. Wow. I don't eat vegetables. 
why aren't more doctors questioning this? Or like, why is everyone just going along with this narrative? Well, it, you know, there's there's a big push historically for that. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, even going back to the early 1800s, there was a Puritan movement in America. Um, this is where the Seventh Day Adventists come from, and they thought that that lust was was you know, this, this terrible, you know, it's one of the seven deadly sins. And so they're saying, well, this is really bad. We, we need to suppress our natural lusts and yearnings. And they, and they knew that people that ate meat were just more virile. They just, you know, wanted to procreate more, which makes sense when you're hormonally healthy, when your body's uh, fit and healthy, you, you get these, these, you know, signals and drives to procreate because that's biologically what we're here for. And so you get these you know, any, any teenager knows you're getting a lot of signals, just going do this. And, and so when you're healthy, you know, you get those, those uh, signals in spades. And so they've, they noticed that if you didn't eat meat and you just ate more of a plant-based diet, this actually suppressed those urges. And so they thought this was a good thing from a religious standpoint that you should suppress your natural urges to procreate. And so that was that was a push in the 1800s. Is where Kellogg's cereal come from. It's uh, Dr. Kellogg. He was a Seventh Day Adventist, and he actually pushed cornflakes because this was this was actually designed to. And people can look this up. This is just a matter of historical record. They said this themselves that they wanted to do this in order to suppress people's natural urges and get them to eat less meat. Um, he was also the one who uh, made it popularized the the idea that male circumcision w- is, is, a, is of a health benefit, which it's actually not. If, if you practice normal hygiene, you don't have any benefit being circumcised or uncircumcised from that point of view. Uh, if you're not washing yourself, there's a, there's a slight increase in uh, penile cancer, but that's, that's it. If you just bathe yourself, there's, there's no difference, <laughs> which I hope people are doing. And, uh, and uh, you know, so he, he pushed this, but you know, male circumcision uh, makes it more difficult to, to masturbate or fornicate. And so that, that was actually his, his idea behind that was, was to make it more difficult for people to do these acts. And then, you know, people figured out lube and that was the end of that. But like, you know, but the, you know, the, the, but the, the idea, the impression that this was, this was a medical benefit to, to men lingered on and, 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 and people still think that today, which, which it's, it's not true. Right. So, yeah. So, and then, and then in the, the, you know, the 20th century sugar production was getting uh, more and more uh, available and they were able to transport and refrigerate fruits and, and, and refine sugar and bring it all over the world. There's a, there's a massive industry uh, and massive growing industry. And all of a sudden heart disease started growing up as well. And this was a brand new disease. Really didn't we really didn't see this uh, much before that? Then pre- uh, American President Eisenhower had a heart attack, and and the headlines were like, "What is this new heart disease?" This the doctors are talking about. No, no one really knew about it, but it was popularized because the president had a heart attack, and so people really started looking at it in the 1950s. Well, there was research going out showing that you know as you as, as a nation or a population started increasing its refined sugar consumption heart disease rates uh, rose accordingly and so that was starting to come out and so we actually have hard evidence now we have we have documentation from the sugar companies from that era showing that they were looking at this and going hey we need to put out opposition research and talking about how they paid off you know Harvard professors university professors all across America 
to falsify data and publish fraudulent studies to make it appear as if cholesterol was causing heart disease when, when indeed it actually turns out that it really was sugar. We have, we have hard biochemical evidence of that from the University of California in San Francisco, uh, published in, you know, 2009, all the way, all the way to today, we have very, very good evidence to say that it's actually sugar and hyperinsulinemia and high, high blood sugar that is, is driving this. So, you know, one of these professors from Harvard was actually named head of the USDA and he, and he authored and published a USDA declaration in 1977 saying conclusively cholesterol causes heart disease, saturated fat increases cholesterol, stop eating both. And, and that was the end of the discussion. This was a hotly debated issue for mm. decades. And now, and, and, and then in 1977, I just went, that's it discussion over is, you know, it was appealing to authority. Teachers said, so therefore you're wrong. And it, it actually discredited all these doctors and researchers who were correct on the mm -hmm. other side of this saying that, no, this is sugar, you know, cholesterol, we've been eating fat, saturated fat forever. How can an ancient diet cause a new disease similar to Bruce Ames? You know, like how is, how are pesticides only causing a problem now when we've been using them for 80 years? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, and that changed the world that, that changed how we look at this, but, you know, we have hard documentation of this, you know, the journal of the American medical association, JAMA, they published actual internal memos from the sugar companies in 2015, showing how they detail how, and detailing how they paid these guys off. They paid them $6,500. That's what they paid them. So, 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 so if it started as like a religious thing and now yeah. I mean, and, and they didn't want people to have urges clearly like with all like Pornhub and all of that agenda, <laughs> like that's not their concern anymore, no. but you know, is this more about population control? Oh, maybe, you know, I mean, there, there have been, you know, different things that, that governments do to suppress yeah. populations and actually limiting meat has been historically one of those, those things. Um, going back thousands of years, there's, there's several, there's several cases where, where you can see that. And so, you know, it may be something like that. I don't know what, what, you know, these people's motivations are. There's yeah. certainly financial motivations right. with, with the food industries, because that's a multi-trillion dollar industry, all these, 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 you know, plant agriculture and, and processed food. I mean, just the sugar industry alone makes $1.3 trillion a year. Wow. You know, so yeah, well, it's just a big one. Bill Gates is now buying up all the farmland, which is questionable yeah. and the nice. beyond meat movement. So like, it just seems like there's so much vegan plant-based propaganda mm. going on right now, but then people looking at it from the other perspective say mm. that this is right-wing propaganda and that the right-wing mm. people are in bed with the beef industry. So <laughs> if we look at like the environmental impacts, of the beef industry versus the fake food industry what's the what are the what's the differentiation there uh well so, so that's the thing you know i've been talking to people you know about this and there, there actually is nothing like a beef in it there isn't isn't a big beef industry okay. where there's yeah. like one big company or a few conglomerations right. that just run all the beef. It's, it's a lot of independent farmers and and there are big ranchers that that own a lot of ranch land a lot of cows but most of this is, is a conglomeration of independent ranchers that then sell on an open market. Um, so there isn't one big cartel that, that uh, you know, runs this where you have like Nestle or Coca-Cola or PepsiCo right. that own, you know, like 35% of the food industry. You know, I'm, I'm making that up, but, you know, big, big chunks. Mm -hmm. I mean, they own every company, every product 
that's involved is especially Nestle. Nestle is massive. And so, you know, these, these are massive international corporations that, that do have a vested interest. And whereas like the, you know, the beef and cattle industry, it is, it is more uh, independent ranchers and farmers. There aren't, there aren't really, you know, big massive corporations that just own all of these, these sorts of things. There are people, there are big supermarkets that would buy from them, but you know, that that's different than the production side of things. Um, yeah. You know, with, with Bill Gates, you know, I don't know what his motivations are, but I do know that he goes to Roots Chris Steakhouse in Bellevue, Washington on a regular basis because I've seen him there because I grew up right near the guy. Uh, so I know that he doesn't actually have a problem eating meat himself. He, it's, a, it's a do as I say, not as I do uh, situation. Um, and, uh, you know, and uh, he may be meaning very well, but, you know, I, 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 th- I think he's wrong on this one. And, and then, he, you know, he's, he's very tied up in the idea of, um, you know, global warming going to kill everybody. And so he yeah. was doing experiments like putting in uh, particulates up into the atmosphere in Sweden to say, oh, maybe we can just put this dust cloud over the entire earth and, and, and limit the amount of, of sun and energy coming in. Every single major extinction episode in, in the history of this planet started with that. You had an asteroid hit and it hits up this massive dust cloud that stays in the air for years. Massive volcano, Krakatoa, huge amount of dust stays in the atmosphere for years and it just wipes out all the plants and animals. I mean, that, that this is where all, you know, all of our major mass extinction events have come from and he's trying to replicate this and this is somehow a good thing. So I think if, even if his intentions are good and pure, I think he's, he's quite misguided. Yeah. Um, or I believe they are not pure, but <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound very pure to me. So I want to know, so you're eating just meat. So if someone is like wanting to get started, like, are there other things that they can eat to kind of like ease their way into it? Yeah. You know, um, you know, I talk to patients and, and, and people just that are interested in it. And, you know, I, I think, I think for me, because I just, I know how toxic these things are and how yeah. detrimental they are to the body. I just wanted nothing to do with them. You know, when, when that professor was talking about how he didn't eat salad, didn't eat vegetables, didn't let his kids eat vegetables. And he just said, look, plants are trying to kill you. They don't want to be eaten, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they, you know, insofar as you're trying to kill them by eating them, plants are trying to kill you. They, they want to defend themselves and they will, they will use deadly force. Fair enough. So, you know, me looking at that, I'm just like, right. I don't want anything to do with plants whatsoever. I don't want this stuff in my body at all. And so for me, it was very easy just to, just to cut it all out and just, just go pure meat and water eggs, you know, a bit of dairy every now and then. But when people, you know, don't come from that background and maybe aren't as convinced of this as I am, I, I just tell them that there, there are certain things that are worse than others and right. that you should certainly work on, on cutting these out in, in you know, a graduated fashion. So, you know, biggest one would be sugar and then carbs and alcohol, obviously. So th- those would be the major ones to cut out. And then after that, all the, the, the vegetables and plants that are in the nightshade family. These are right. very, very toxic. We've known that for millennia. You know, we normally, you know, going back to, you know, Rome and Greece and, you know, and, and even the Renaissance and, and, you know, before we came, and even when we came over to the new world from Europe, we knew you don't eat nightshades. And they found these, all these nightshades in the new worlds, like capsicums, peppers, potatoes, eggplants, tomatoes. And they brought them back to Europe as curiosities. They were weird looking plants. They're like, oh, look at this thing. But they knew they were nightshades. And so they were like, you don't eat these stupid things. And yet they saw some people that were very, very poor and impoverished, you know, in the new world that would, would eat these occasionally, but they would pair them in a very specific way. 
And so they, so the Europeans would prepare them in that same way. And that sort of reduced the level of toxicity, you know, like a tomato, you know, most of the, most of the protection is going to be in the skins. That's where barrier protection. So insects trying to eat into it. They're going to get, they're going to get, they're going to get zapped by the skin, the seeds as well. That's a plant's baby. So, you know, every organism, you know, generally protects its baby more than anything. And so the seeds are where you'll generally find uh, the highest concentration of uh, poisons. And so they would, you know, blanch the tomato, put it in boiling water, take off the skin, and they would take out all the seeds and they would just use the pulp. And that's mm -hmm. what they would make tomato sauce out of in, in Spain and right. Italy. Well, now everyone's saying, oh, all the, all the nutrients are in the skin all the nutrients are in the seeds. You should eat though. No, no, no. Well, okay. Maybe they have more nutrients there too, but they also have a lot more poison. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's cherry picking. You're, you're looking for the things that you want and you're ignoring the things that you don't want. And, and that's what we did. That's why we peeled tomato or potatoes. That's why we peeled carrots. That's why we, we, we did all these things that we did traditionally. And now we've just completely ignored it because now everything's very plant-based. There's nothing bad in plants. Plants are perfect plants. We're in the garden of Eden. God has given this, us this bounty and we can just eat anything, even, you know, poison ivy and, and uh, hemlock, yeah. you know? And so, you know, I, I try, I start with those and I just yeah. say, you know, try to try to limit these things down. And, and, you know, if you're eating meat, try to eat just more meat and more fatty meat. And if you're getting cravings for carbohydrates or sugars, you know, just think of that as your, your brain telling you that, that you're hungry and you should, you should eat some meat. And so you, you try that. And so when people can sort of limit those things down, they're going to be, you know, much better off. You know, a lot of people transition from ketogenic diet over to carnivore. And I think that's a quite a natural progression where you're, you're already looking at things to eliminate that are causing harm. But, you know, just like there's more than one, there, there, there's more than one bad thing in the world. Like when you're looking at cholesterol, because for a while, everyone just looked at cholesterol, like, well, the cholesterol is bad. Just you can eat anything except cholesterol, mm. which is of course wrong. There's going to be a lot of things that are bad for you. Well, the ketogenic people are looking at this saying, well, just only carbohydrates are wrong. You want to be in ketosis. You want your ketones up. Kind of, you know, you, you, the, the level of your ketones aren't actually that important for most people. Um, right. As long as you're not eating carbohydrates, if you're just eating meat, your body's going to do what it's supposed to do. Uh, but they're also saying, well, we need to eat a lot of vegetables because that's where you get your, your nutrition from. Well, actually, you're getting all your nutrition from meat and you're getting all the poisons from plants. And so a lot of people actually go on a ketogenic diet and they'll improve their, their lifestyle in, in certain ways, but they'll also make themselves quite sick in, in a number of ways. And you hear this keto flu. I, I, you know, I don't know the exact mechanism of that, but what I noticed are the people that, that generally get this are the ones that stop eating carbohydrates, start eating more meat, but also just start eating a ton of vegetables. Mm -hmm. And these things are going to have a lot of toxins in them. And then all of a sudden they're going to hit their body and it's going to be something that their body's not used to. And they have to, to deal with, and they're going to just feel a bit crummy for a week or two. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably it. Or, you know, coupled with sugar uh withdrawals because sugar fructose right. is actually a drug that that actually causes a, a dopamine chemical addiction in your brain and right. so you actually do withdraw from that and so i think a combination of those two but you know a ketogenic diet is is a, is a good stepping stone onto a carnivore thing but i would i would seriously limit the amount of plants that you had so no carbohydrates no sugars no alcohol no uh nightshades so that's potatoes, tomatoes, eggplants, peppers, capsicums, and, um, and then sort of, you know, limit the greens because they have a lot of other things as well. You know, they have tannins, phytates, oxalates, all these, all these different sorts of things, uh, that I go over. I, I did a video called just plants are trying to kill you. And I go through quite a number of these, 
uh, that are, that are just common to all the plants that we eat. And so trying to limit those out, limit out, the, limit out the worst offenders and, and seriously limit down the amount of vegetables that, and plants that you eat anyway, and just upping your meat. I think that's a good way of transitioning. Okay. So let's have a quick chat about luxury and spirituality. If you are listening to this, I am sure you enjoy the finer things in life that you're super intentional. And that means you would love my jewelry brand prism and no, it's not that hippy dippy spiritual jewelry. It's like chic, elegant, gold and silver jewelry with your choice of diamonds or white topaz. And every piece is made with intention. We have a solar plexus activating necklace that makes you more abundant. And I get so many compliments on it. It's called the Sunray necklace. We have a moon necklace that reminds you to honor all sides of yourself, even your shadows. And we have an entire fifth dimension 5D consciousness collection if you are ready to go super deep into your ascension. And I'll also add that I have two beautiful co-founders. One of them is my amazing friend Chantal, who designs all of our jewelry. And the other is Whitney Rose from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yes, one of my business partners is one of the Real Housewives. And I have married all my favorite things in life, spirituality, fashion, and reality TV. But I digress. It is time to treat yourself, get something chic. Don't wait for someone else to buy jewelry for you. Women have this weird thing about buying jewelry for themselves, but in my opinion, jewelry is something that becomes part of your soul. So you need to pick it out for yourself with your intentions in mind. So go treat yourself. I'm giving you 11% off anything on the shop. Yes. A discount for diamonds. It's unheard of. So go to prismlifestyle.co and use chakra girl at checkout. And every piece also comes with an intention setting ritual to infuse your own intentions into your jewelry to just create the best life. So go to prismlifestyle.co and use code chakra girl at checkout. Yeah. See, I still eat some fruit. I noticed that like some people that are doing carnivore, they'll still eat like papaya and watermelon. And there's like certain fruits that they still are into. Like, are there certain things that you think are like the least evil (laughs) that we can incorporate in? So I I think, I think the least evil would be, you know, non-sugar bearing non-nightshade fruits. Okay. So like an avocado. Okay. or like a coconut or something. Well, now coconut's okay. a little sweet, but you know, but like an avocado, but okay. you know, like a tomato is a fruit, but it's a nightshade. So it's right. going to have solanine and, and different things that you don't want. As, as far as, as far as sweet fruits are concerned, these aren't really natural. You know, these have been, you know, intensively bred to make them much, much more sweet mm-hmm. and big. And so, you know, a nat, uh, you know, a, a, the original apple was a little crab apple, you know, it wasn't very sweet. It was quite, you know, sour, hard, wasn't, wasn't very fun. We've bred this into what they, what they are today. You know, same with a mango, an original mango, it was very hard, very fibrous, big seed, really not, not much sweetness to it. Now it's, now it's very, very sweet. So mm-hmm. our ancestors were not eating these very sweet fruits. So that's, that's the argument of some uh, of these, these guys in the carnivore sphere saying like, Oh, I want to live naturally. I want to live the way my ancestors live. So I'll, I'll eat fruit. I'm sure that they ate fruit seasonally. Well, maybe some of them did in certain areas that they were available, but they were very different fruits. You know, they, they just simply were not as, as, as sweet and with the same sugar content as they are now. And we also have to remember that our, that our species really uh, started to evolve uh, when the ice ages hit about two and a half, three million years ago. Well, the reason being was because all the plants died off 
And so our ancestors that were already using tools or were already able to hunt and were mostly carnivorous at the time now became full carniv carnivores. And, and the only ones that survived, there's like a bottleneck uh, period where, where it, it appears that only like 10,000 members survived just, just according to our genetics uh, and, you know, just how closely related people are, you know, people think that we have these wide variations in genetics. We really don't. It's, it's very, very subtle differences by and large, we're very, very similar uh, species. And so there was this bottleneck episode where about 10,000 people survived. And these are the ones that were able to survive as pure carnivores. And they were able to hunt these, you know, these big, you know, woolly mammoths and bison and, and use tools to, you know, kill and dismember them. And so that they can survive. And, and this is what, what drove our final leg of evolution from just tool using to homo sapiens about 300,000 years ago. We've been nearly the same genetically for the last 300,000 years. So we made it through ice ages that would last, you know, 20 to 30,000 years. Um, you know, there's no fruit on a glacier. Right. You know, I'm sure you know that in Canada. And no honey either. Okay. So let's have a quick chat about luxury and spirituality. If you are listening to this, I am sure you enjoy the finer things in life that you're super intentional. And that means you would love my jewelry brand prism and no, it's not that hippy dippy spiritual jewelry. It's like chic, elegant, gold and silver jewelry with your choice of diamonds or white topaz. And every piece is made with intention. We have a solar plexus activating necklace that makes you more abundant. And I get so many compliments on it. It's called the sunray necklace. We have a moon necklace that reminds you to honor all sides of yourself, even your shadows. And we have an entire fifth dimension 5d consciousness collection. If you are ready to go super deep into your ascension. And I'll also add that I have two beautiful co-founders. One of them is my amazing friend Chantal, who designs all of our jewelry. And the other is Whitney Rose from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yes, one of my business partners is one of the Real Housewives. And I have married all my favorite things in life, spirituality, fashion, and reality TV. But I digress. It is time to treat yourself, get something chic. Don't wait for someone else to buy jewelry for you. Women have this weird thing about buying jewelry for themselves, but in my opinion, jewelry is something that becomes part of your soul. So you need to pick it out for yourself with your intentions in mind. So go treat yourself. I'm giving you 11% off anything on the shop. Yes, a discount for diamonds. It's unheard of. So go to prismlifestyle.co and use chakra girl at checkout. And every piece also comes with an intention setting ritual to infuse your own intentions into your jewelry to just create the best life. So go to prismlifestyle.co and use code chakra girl at checkout. So what do you do socially? Like if you're, you're going to a wedding or you're going to a dinner party, what do you do? So, you know, I mean, I mean, think about what, what, you know, a vegan or a vegetarian would do in these same circumstances. Generally people right. are quite accommodating. They, they understand that people... Right. Are, are, you know, making, inf you know, uh, informed decisions as best of their ability for their life. And, and most people would respect that, uh, you know, unless they're, they're doing something awful to other people, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah. that's my life. I just want to hurt children. Yeah. You know, but if it's your own self and, and you're, yeah. you're honestly coming at it, most people are very accommodating. 
right. and you know, think about, you know, if, if you go to a dinner party as a vegetarian or a vegan, you know, and there's meat on the table, there's also going to be some vegetables and salad and they might just eat the things that they want to eat. Right. Um, I do the same. So there's almost always meat on the menu. And so right. I would just eat the meat part and not, not eat, uh, the rest of it. You know, if I go to a restaurant, I just ask, you know, when, when I was going to a restaurant anyway, I was always just getting a steak anyway, yeah. and, uh, you know, or the chicken or the fish. And I, and so now I just order that and I just ask them not to put any you know, spices or, or sauces on it. I just want the meat on its own. And I, and I tell them they can, they can keep the sides or give them to someone else at the table. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's, it's not as, as limiting as, as people yeah. think. And one thing I found is that I was surprised at how much I crave meat now. Like I'm not, I don't actually get sick of it. And I notice that I'll be eating it. I'll be eating steak for the, you know, third time in a row. And I'll just be like, mm, this is so good. Like, yeah. and I, I don't get sick of it. Um, yeah. whereas if I'm eating other things, like, I don't know, I'll like, there are times where like my husband, and I would make dinner. I'd be like, Oh, that was so dissatisfying. I feel like we need something else. I don't feel satisfied. And then we'd go open the cupboard and just eat whatever was in there. But now it's like, I always feel satisfied. So it's just interesting. Like what's going on in our body with that? Yeah. So when you, it, your, your taste is a big, is a big marker, uh, yeah. for what your body wants as a nutrient. And so, you know, when you're, when you're, I mean, think about this, like if you have like sort of the same meal, like a mixed mixed meal, um, maybe like a salad with some chicken or something like that. Yeah. I remember I was doing that when I was, when I was uh, an intern, uh, intern, no, maybe just after, uh, I was, I was just having just sort of, uh, meat in a salad. And, and this is what I would just take to work. It was just something quick and easy I could put together. And at first, you know, I had the, the dressing right and this, and the, you know, the salad and the meat, everything, everything was fine. It just tasted great. It tasted really good. The next night it still tasted good, but it wasn't as good. The next day it was kind of blah. And the fourth day I'm like, Oh, this is awful. Well, you know, and I remember thinking, I was just like, I'm cooking it. I'm making this exactly the same It's exactly the same stuff. Why doesn't it taste as good? Well, the reason being that that was incomplete nutrition mm -hmm. and my body was at first, my body wanted those nutrients saying, yeah, these are good. Get, get it in you. And so you're getting this positive feedback. Then after a while, your body wants other nutrients uh, that's not in that specific mixed meal. And so your body's saying that like, no, no, you have these nutrients. You need other nutrients. Stop doing that. And this is why people change up what they eat because they're eating incomplete nutrition. Red meat, fatty meat is complete nutrition for a human being because biologically we, we actually are carnivores that that is and, and not only are we carnivores but we're humans because our ancestors were carnivores and that's actually what what drove uh our evolution to our, our current form mm -hmm. so you definitionally will get everything you need from red meat if you're only eating red meat because if you eat other things you, you actually changes what your body needs nutritionally. So you need a different constellation of nutrients. If you're eating carbohydrates, you'll, you will need more vitamins. You'll need more vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin E, vitamin D. You will have to consume more vitamins. And so this is why people say like, oh, there's not enough vitamins and minerals in meat. Well, there is, if you're only eating meat, if you're eating other things, yes, that, that actually screws with your system and your requirements. So taste, taste is a major factor in this. And so when you're hungry, you know, those nutrients in meat are going to taste amazing because your body wants those. And then, you know, as you continue eating them, they will taste less and less good. And eventually I'm sure you've gotten to, you've, you've done this. Like you say, you get very satisfied. You get to a point where you just go like, 
you know, I'm, I'm just not enjoying this. I just naturally want to stop. I feel good. I don't want to keep eating anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's your brain telling you that you have enough nutrients, you have enough nutrition, and you don't need to keep eating. So this is, this is natural portion control. And, you know, some detractors of a carnivore diet or carnivore way of eating, uh, they say, oh, well, if you look at the, this sort of elimination diet, you know, eventually people just start eating less calories and that's why they're losing weight. So it's really just calories in calories out, which is, you know, first of all, nonsense. I mean, it's just, it, you, know, the, the, you know, different things that have calories, uh, you know, a carbohydrate does not behave the same as, as amino acids and amino acids don't behave the same as other amino acids and fatty acids are the same. So, so just because these have, you know, caloric, you know, uh, you know, contain a certain number of, of calories when you burn them physically, that doesn't mean that that translates into that exact amount of energy in your body. These are complex organic co molecules that interact with your other complex organic molecules and they do different things in your body. So it's not just calories in calories out. These things behave differently. Mm -hmm. Um, but also, you know, that's very significant. I mean, think about that. Oh, they're just, they're just eating less calories. Yeah. But they're not trying to, you know, they don't have a calculator right. going, calculating out like, Oh, how yeah. much about What's my intake? I, mean, my I was when I first started, yeah. <laughs> because I was yeah. like, I was like, I was skeptical. Like I was like, really? Like, I know there's a lot of calories in this. And I was used to yeah. counting calories. Like that yeah. was what I was doing. And, um, I just, I would, I counted it a few times and then I was like, I'm, I'm just eating until I feel satiated. And then I don't have to count anymore. And I noticed that I was often going over my calories, like slightly, mm -hmm. but still seeing major difference. Um, and for yeah. all the women listening, it's mostly women listening. Like I, I just found like my abs were popping and like my arms were more defined and it seemed like, and I, I was never hungry and I was never dissatisfied. So even just from that like vanity perspective, it was, it was really, it was something that was really easy for me. Um, and I found as well that I have like, and I don't know if you ever do this, but I fell off track. And like, when I went on vacation, I was like, I'm just going to let myself enjoy myself. But I was still like, I, I still wanted meat. So even though I was like, going off track, I was still not as off track as I would have been. And then it got, it was so much easier once I got home from vacation to get back into a routine because I was not dreading it. I wasn't like, Oh, yeah. here we go with all the vegetables again. You know, <laughs> like I was like, okay, cool. Let's get the barbecue going. Um, so I want to know as well, like what meats do you eat? Cause I think you're just red meat all the time, right? Mostly. Yeah. Mostly. So I mean, I'll, I'll eat other meats. You know, okay. I, there's, there's, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. So anything that you know moves and uh, you had parents. Okay. You know, fine. And, okay. Um, uh, and then what about fish? Like how, we shouldn't be eating fish too often, right? Because mm -hmm. of like the mercury, is that true? Yeah. Uh, well, it can be. Yeah. So you have, you have okay. you know, different, depending on the fish that you're eating and, and where they are on the food chain, you can get, you can get a buildup of, of heavy metals. So, you know, if you're eating, you know, a sardine or something like that. It's pretty low down on the, on the pecking order and the, and the, and the um, food chain. And so maybe they'll have, they'll have less than say salmon or a shark or tuna that's eating fish that are eating fish that are eating fish. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you, when you, when you eat several legs of that, of that food chain, you're, you're concentrating some of these heavy metals or you can anyway. And just because of the, you know, the pollution in the oceans or the heavy metal, that have gotten in there that fact has has sort of uh built that up mm -hmm. um there's also a big difference between farm raised 
fish and, right. and natural wild wild ones they're they're very different nutritional yeah. content as well and so yeah you really don't want you really want the wild the wild salmon the wild fish they're much more healthy as well and, and you know that goes for beef as well you know when when an animal is eating what it's supposed to eat it is more healthy and and it's going to be healthier as well for the for the animals that eat them mm-hmm. uh, but that being said you know, a grain finished cow is still eating 80% of its life. It's eating grass. So it's actually still is, is quite healthy. Uh, and it gets finished on grain as long as it's not a huge, massive, you know, finish or like a Wagyu. That's just like its entire life has been on, on grains and actually give them alcohol and sugar to get that thick marbling. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's going to have a different, different fat oh, content. And it's going to have a, have a different not, kind of fat. So Wagyu is not as good. It's not good. That, well, the fat like, isn't as good. It won't have as many omega threes. It won't have. It'll have more BCAAs, um, and so it'll be. Yeah, it'll just be. It'll just be a slightly different. It'll have more fat, but that fat will be sort of a different kind of fat. And okay. so, um, but at the same time, you know, you're just eating that every now and then. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, and uh, you know, it's just I, I probably wouldn't eat exclusively you know, wagyu all the time, you know, even if you could afford that, I, I don't think it's, it's the best for you, but it's good. I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, I look at this as like, you know, people that go into the Olympics, you know, people that go, you know, gold medal and silver medal in the Olympics, you know, silver lost to gold, but silver also beat everybody else on earth, right. you know? So it's, yes, right. it's not as good, but it's still fantastic. Okay. And so, and it's better than, better than the alternative. And so, you know, especially for, you know, right now, you know, because of all the things that we sort of mentioned, you know, beef prices are going up because there's a concerted effort to make beef prices go up so that it's, it's restrictively and prohibitively expensive to buy natural meat so that people will be driven in to buying the alternative meat. Bill Gates has said this explicitly, he said, this is something we'll need to do to force people to buy his disgusting product. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that is quite disgusting behavior, honestly, you know, forcing people to, to, to take your product when they actually want something else. I mean, that, that's the definition of a monopoly. You know, you're, you're using the government coercion to, and, and different sorts of market stressors to force people to buy your product instead of buying the product that they want. And, yeah. you know, so if people are, you know, you know, everyone has a, has a budget. And so, you know, buying grass fed and grass finished cows isn't always possible. Uh, so, you know, just getting, you know, the, just normal beef at Safeway or Costco is, is perfectly fine. We actually just bought a quarter of a cow and a deep oh, yeah. for like those people now. Um, and just price wise, it was very inexpensive. Like, of course it's yeah. like bigger up front, but like it, something like, I want to, this could be totally wrong doing the math. I want to say it was something like $4 a pound. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, no, that, that. and, and that's, really yeah. yeah, 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 that's totally the way to go. Yeah, if people yeah. can do that, I was going to say that's definitely the best, best way to go. Yeah. Like I bought, yeah. I, I bought one in, in uh, Washington, you know, sort of like the year before I, I came to Australia and, and, um, you know, left it, most of it for my family. Uh, we just went directly to the rancher. You can go through a butcher, it'll be a little more expensive, but they'll source it for you and do the legwork. Uh, yeah. But I just, I just, found a list of, you know, uh, grass, you know, purely grass fed ranchers and farmers. 
And, and I just contacted one of them and just said, Hey, you know, I'm looking for actually an older cow because, you know, I, I was seeing a bunch of things showing that actually older cows tasted so much better and they really? do, they taste, Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. So much citizen cows. Okay. You heard it here first. Yeah. For- yeah. <laughs> but it, I think it's good to make that relationship with a farmer these days too. Mm-hmm. like get in, you know, get in with them because who knows what's going to be happening if they're really going to want to be forcing people to eat this fake meat, do what you can to build these relationships now, not from a place yeah. of fear, but you know, it's always good to have in your back pocket. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, it, and, and like you say, it's way cheaper. And even the older cows are even cheaper than that because there isn't really a market for them. They don't sell these things on the open market. Maybe they'll grind them into hamburger and sell those. But, but often they don't because it's, it's a bit more tough. It's older and people say, oh, no, no, it's, it's too tough. It's, it's actually not. You know, the, the, the meat, if you, if you're, as long as you're cooking it, you know, medium rare or whatever, the meat is, is perfect. The fat is perfect. The gristle is like whale bone. Like, I don't know what that happened to that stuff, but it's like, it's like super hard, but that's just e- even easier to take that out. So you don't even necessarily want the tendons and the ligaments. And you, you can just, right. you're sort of eating that like, Oh, that's rock hard. And you just take that little sucker out and then you eat the fat, which is soft. You eat the meat, which is soft. And the flavor is unreal. I had, um, I had some prime New York, uh, from Costco. Great stuff. That was, that was sort of a, my go-to for a while. And then I had this sort of the New York piece from this older cow. It's a 10 year old cow mm-hmm. and, and it smelled different. It was smelled like fresh and almost citrusy, like the, just the meat. I'm like, Oh my God, it was amazing. Wow. And uh, it was all, yeah, I, it, it was a smell that I never really smelled before, but it just smelled fresh and healthy. And mm-hmm. uh, you just get, I, I really honestly just felt supercharged anytime I ate this meat. It was really, really good. And I remember sort of doing a bit of a taste test. I had the New York from Costco, you know, prime, wonderful marbling. And I had the New York from that, which was, was actually quite lean because grass fed cows that really don't have the marbling, they have much less fat. And, and so, you know, I was eating that and I had the Costco thing first. And I was just like, you know, like you said, like, I was just like, every time I had it, I just love it because my body wants those nutrients. And yeah. so every time I'm getting that, I'm like, my God is so good. And, and then people, and you know, people say, you know, don't you get sick of that? I'm like, no, no <laughs> like, really you really don't. don't. Like no. I thought I, cause I, I was, I was like, I'm a foodie. And like, it was my, we went for, to restaurants all the time and I was, we were cooking and I don't know, we just like loved food, but now I, yeah. I like kind of don't care. Like I just want to eat meat. <laughs> I yeah. just don't crave it. Um, yeah, I, I, I love food too. I just yeah. love steak. That's, that's the food that I love. That I love. So I want to just ask lastly, because I know we touched on this a little bit, but for anyone that is still convinced that like still not convinced and they're like, well, if this were true, like doctors wouldn't be telling us Mm -hmm. that we should be eating vegetables. Like what, like, and as a doctor, have you like received backlash about your opinions? And what is your opinion as to why more doctors aren't talking about this. Like if you could reason with these people that are still not bought in and, and tell them like, you don't have to listen to every doctor. Like what would your argument be? Uh, well, it's just simply that they just don't know it yet. You know, and, yeah. and a lot of the doctors that, you know, I speak to, cause they look at me like, really, what are you, what are you doing there? And, and, yeah. you know, and I'll talk to them and I'll tell them and, uh, you know, I back it up, you know, I mean, this is, this, there's, there's hard facts, there's hard evidence showing that, that this is the right way for us to eat. I mean, this is, this, this it's a hard established fact that evolutionarily, biologically, you know, humans are carnivores or apex predators, apex predators are top of the food chain. That means you eat the animals below you. You know, you don't graze. No apex predator grazes. I've never seen a shark eat kelp for roughage. It just doesn't happen. They eat animals. And 
that's what that's what we did as well. You know, I you know I've never seen a, a cave painting of people you know mixing up a, a fresh garden salad. It's always mm-hmm. hunting. Yeah. You know, yeah. and but that's the thing. You know, and and there's so much more more evidence as well that 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 just you know all contributes to mm-hmm. this. And, and, and so when you talk to people about it and they're receptive to it, they, they're actually very interested and, and especially doctors and researchers who, who do have a medical or scientific background, it's actually quite easy to, to talk to them and, and show them what's going on because, you know, I, I can just go straight for the, for the money shots. I don't have to give them all the background and the basic science and biochemistry uh, and explain that they already have that. And you just be like, look, and you go bang, 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 bang. And they just go damn it, that really makes sense, you know? And so actually most of my colleagues that I work with, they're all carnivores or at least eating a lot more meat. Sometimes, you know, like you're saying for, for social reasons, it may be difficult for them or their household doesn't really uh, buy into it. And so they're kind of doing it, but they're sort of not doing it all the way because they're eating other stuff as well. Uh, But, you know, quite a lot of them are carnivores and, or at least eating a lot more meat and they're seeing huge benefits from that. And that just snowballs out. So, you know, when I first got to Australia three years ago, I mean, the vegan movement was very, very popular and everything was low fat plant-based uh, which makes sense if you if you believe the you know the, the, the what was being put out for the last 40 years that cholesterol causes heart disease and you know meat will kill you and cause cancer that makes sense and so people you know listen to that and they really took that to heart what does that mean that means they're very self you know health conscious they were just given you know the wrong information they were given misinformation and so people looked at me like i was crazy but they were interested because i you know i am in you know i, I look like i'm in good shape even though i don't actually get to the gym as often as i want to i still maintain a very healthy uh, and muscular physique and so they're like okay well you know obviously you know you look good on the outside but okay you know how can you be so healthy and 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 eating like this you know, I just talked to them about it and most of them are very receptive. Now there's actually quite a lot of people that are, that are, you know, eating a lot more meat or, or even carnivores. And now I tell people, you know, they, they see me just eating meat or I'm at the hospital and I'm having like, you know, at the restaurant, I have like 10 eggs and six large pieces of bacon. So we're like, Whoa, you know, like that's, that's a lot of protein, you know, you're going to the gym later. And I was just like, well, like, well, no, this is just all I eat. And they go like, oh, you're doing carnivore. Like, oh, my brother's doing carnivore. My cousin's mm-hmm. doing carnivore. Now they actually know it by name. Yeah. And whereas before they, they just looked at me like I was just a, just a lunatic. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. So yeah, the, the simple thing is, is just people just don't know. And, and that's the problem with medicine and, and everything else is that, you know, it, it was a Harvard professor in the 1930s said to a graduating class, just said, you know, just said to everyone, you know, in the next 10 years, half of what you learned will turn out to be wrong. The problem mm-hmm. is, is that your professors don't know which half. Mm-hmm. And so you need to stay on board. You need to stay on to the research. You need to keep uh, your professional development. The problem is there's a, just so much information, so many publications coming out all the time. 90, 90 to 95% of these are, are junk. They're just complete garbage. And so you have to like sift through these nonsensical things just to get to anything that's worthwhile. And so sometimes these things come out. And people don't know about it. You know, people don't necessarily know that fructose is is broken down in the same byproducts as alcohol is. And so you get the same diseases as alcohol, fatty liver disease, cirrhosis, diabetes, heart disease, even cancer and Alzheimer's are now being implicated. You know, so not everybody knows that. Not everybody knows that, you know, the Journal of American Medical Association published in, in 2015 showing that the sugar companies, you know, defrauded the public. You know, they don't know that they, all these studies have come out showing that there isn't even a correlation 
between increased LDL cholesterol and heart disease, not even a correlation. So, you know, these, these epidemiological studies are, you know, they're, they're limited, you know, you can only show causation or sorry, you can't show causation. You can only show a correlation. And so, you know, a correlation does not mean that there's a causation, right? There's a correlation between ice cream sales and shark attacks. You know, does that mean that sharks like eating, you know, sweetened, fattened little boys who, who <laughs> eat ice cream a lot? Maybe, but you know, what, what is really happening is that you sell more ice cream in summer months when it's hot and people are swimming in the ocean more where the sharks are. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a correlation. That doesn't actually mean that there's a connection at all. There's just a correlation. But when you don't have a correlation, that proves that there is no causation. You can't have causation without correlation first. Mm -hmm. And so now the studies are showing there's no correlation between cholesterol and heart disease. In fact, they find an inverse correlation. So it's actually protective against heart attacks, protective against strokes, protective against Alzheimer's and dementia. Okay. So this is actually really important. Cholesterol is a really important molecule. It is, it is your entire body's made of cholesterol. All of your hormones are made out of cholesterol. Your bile is made out of cholesterol. And that's another thing. Why is it, if fat were so bad for us, why would we have evolved four different organs to work in concert just to absorb fat? Our liver makes bile, our gallbladder stores bile, our pancreas puts out lipases and enzymes to break down, um, to break down fats and the bile emulsifies that you can't really absorb. It's very hard for your body to absorb fat without bile. So the bile absorbs that or, or emulsifies that. And then your small intestine absorbs it. You have four organs working together just to absorb fat. If mm -hmm. fat were bad for you, if fat were harmful, why would we have expended that energy? Why would we have these organs that, that work like that? You, those, those organs would have just shriveled away and stopped those functionalities and, and become vestigial, right? Like an appendix, vestigial organ about the size of your finger. Well, millions of years ago, that was a four foot long cecum. And that's where fiber would pack into to break down because our, our ancestors were herbivorous. And like a chimpanzee or a, a gorilla, their uh, primates, herbivorous primates are called hind gut digesters. And so they have that long, uh, you know, cecum and that's where the, the, the fiber would go into and break down. We don't have that ability anymore. It's vestigial because we haven't, our, our ancestors haven't eaten fiber and fibrous plants for millions upon millions upon millions of years. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on there. Not everybody knows these things. Not everybody has, 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 you know, seen all these journal journals, uh, articles, you know, I, I just did a debate. It was myself and you know, it was like, it was like five, you know, very, very prominent, and some world famous cardiologist, and then me, like, I'm not a cardiologist, but you know, I've been, I've been outspoken against uh, cholesterol. And so I was included in this debate. And we, you know, we won the debate and, and it was myself and two other very, very famous uh, uh, cardiologists arguing against three other very prominent, you know, cardiologists and professors of medicine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were still in the camp, like, no, 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 cholesterol causes heart disease. And it's just like, buddy, no. <laughs> You know, and it was just, you know, and because that's the thing, you know, we have hard evidence that these studies that we base all of our, uh, you know, you know, all of our further research on and all of our recommendations on were fraudulent. And if you base 
And if you have things that are based on a false premise that you now know are not true, you have to throw them out and start over. But these guys haven't, they haven't done that yet. And so, you know, my, I, my argument was, was like, look, you know, you look back at these studies, they were fraudulent. We have hard evidence that they were fraudulent. Ansel Keys did something called the seven nation study, which everyone was like, oh, this is conclusive. Well, no, it wasn't. It was correlative. So it still never showed causation, but it was fraudulent. He showed these seven nations that as you increase your cholesterol consumption, your, the heart disease rates increase and they increase, you know, exponentially. There was a, there's a parabolic growth. There's exponential growth. And so everyone was just like, oh, well, this is just conclusive. Well, no, it's not. It's correlative. But what they don't tell you and what he didn't tell people, which is fraud, is that he actually had complete data for 23 countries. And if you plot those on the graph, it's completely scattered. It's like a shotgun blast across a graph. Okay. So there isn't even a correlation. So Ansel Keys actually showed there was no correlation between increased cholesterol and heart disease. And now we have, there was a, there was a meta-analysis published last year that showed that, again, there was no correlation going through all the studies, all the data, that there isn't even a correlation between increased LDL cholesterol and heart disease. And so, you know, you just argue that it's like, this isn't, this isn't even a debate. This is a matter of record. This is not true. And they were so pissed. I mean, they were just furious, but you know, we, we won the debate handily. It was like 86% uh, people, you know, uh, voted in our favor, you know, it was, you know people watching uh, wow. voted. So, you know, that is what, you know, take it for what it is, but you know, that is just something that these guys hadn't come across for some reason, even though they are professors and cardiologists and this is their profession and they really care. They care about their patients. They care about doing the right things. And yet they just haven't seen the, the research. So it just, it's just going to take, it's just going to take more time. And it's, it is fairly new. Um, the research is sort of in the last, you know, seven to 12 years has been coming out. I've, I've seen this stuff from the beginning, but you know, that, that could have just been pure chance. And, but luckily I did see them and I was able to, to dig in uh, further with it. And when people do, and you tell them about this they go, Oh, that's really interesting. They dig into it and go, I had no idea. There is so much out there, but you have to look for it, you know? Yeah. And, and so people just haven't done that yet. There's, they're so focused on like, I'm going to do my exams. I'm going to do my board exams. I'm going to do this. And they're just learning what the, what, you know, you know, the, the, whatever Institute that they're, they're uh, training through is pushing on them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then, and then they get into their profession and they're just practicing their profession and maybe they just don't, don't catch it. So it's just, it's going to take time, but, you know, we have, we have hard evidence that, yeah. that uh, it's not what we've been told that we've been absolutely lied to. So it'll come out, but it yeah. just takes time. I love, I'm, I can't wait for the, I told you so moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so, so much. I, like You're I said, welcome. my audience was like waiting for an episode like this. Cause I've been dabbling and like talking about it a little bit and they wanted the facts and you gave them the facts, which is so amazing. <laughs> so where can everyone find you online to get more information? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I'm on, I'm on pretty active on, on Instagram and I, I post a lot of things there. Um, and that's just Anthony Chafee MD is my Instagram handle. I have a YouTube channel by the same name, Anthony Chafee MD. And that's where I, I post like two or three videos a week and, uh, and try to, and I do that pretty consistently. And I have a, a podcast, uh, as you mentioned, the plant free MD podcast that's on available on Apple or Google, Spotify, and basically anything. And, um, I have, I have pretty much all my episodes, anything that you would find on YouTube or, 
you should also be able to find the audio version on on the podcast with with some with some exceptions. There are some things that are only on the podcast that that don't show up on YouTube, and there's some things that are just on YouTube that don't show up on the podcast. But most mostly, it's uh, they have both. And then you know, I'm on Facebook, just Anthony Chafee. I have other you know, I, I dabble in other social media things like. TikTok, unfortunately. Just like <laughs> I'm gonna have to check that one out. Just like eating meat on TikTok. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I do some of the, like just like shorter videos and clips oh, there. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'll, I'm just still trying to figure out my relationship, what I want my relationship to be with TikTok. I hear and you. So I'll, I'll figure that out. But yeah, those those are the main ones. And then I do a um, uh, a weekly Patreon uh, Q and A. So people that oh, want to cool. sign up for that, it's like three dollars a month, and then you that gets you access to. Uh, a weekly Q and A session for an hour, and just people can just just talk and ask questions. And I do um, I do consultations for people uh, over Zoom or in in clinic outside of uh, my work in neurosurgery. Um, and if people want to set up a consultation, uh, it's just anthonychafee at gmail is the email I use for that. Amazing. Actually, I have one more question that I wanted to ask at the beginning. So you're a neurosurgeon. Do you ever mm-hmm. treat your patients or tell them to go on this diet? Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, I do, but um, in sort of in in in, in limited amount. I'm I'm still training in neurosurgery, so I had to leave okay. my original uh, residency for uh, family emergency, and so I took a few years off. And then I was doing humanitarian work in Bangladesh and volunteering in refugee camps there uh, for the Rohingya refugee crisis. There was a genocide in Burma, and like a million people fled into Bangladesh because it was like 200,000 people were slaughtered in a month in, in Burma. Oh uh, it, was, it, was, yeah, it was pretty wild. That was back in 2017. And so that was, you know, I, I was there for uh, quite some time trying to help out because it was, um, it was, it was just a very big humanitarian disaster. Um, and most people weren't going because ISIS was very, uh, you know, active at the time and we're, we're attacking a lot of people, killing people, blowing up hotels and buildings. And uh, so just people weren't going. And so I, I felt I needed to go there and help out because uh, there, there weren't enough people there. And so I took uh, a you know number of years off and then, so now I'm, I've rejoined back in. So, so yeah, so just to, to sort of clarify that. And, um, but yeah, so when I do, you know, see patients, you know, I don't, I don't try to push this on anyone. I just try to, you know, give people, uh, you know, just the, the facts and the evidence and, and maybe give them resources to look into themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really do that unproffered. Like, you know, if, if someone were unsolicited, I like if, uh, but you will always get people that, that ask you, you know, because people want, want to have, you know, input and control in their, in their life as well. And in their health, because if it's, you know, it's, it's very uh, scary to deal with some of these very, very serious health issues. And people feel like they're just out of control and they don't have any say in their, in the course of their life and their illness. And that, and that's very uh, frightening for people. And so having something that they can do, uh, you know, is is quite empowering. It feels that they have, have more control over their life. So you'll have a lot of people that ask, you know, is there something I can do? What can I do to help my situation? You know, whether they have, uh, you know, cancer or, or something else, you know, what can I do to help my situation? You know, what can I do? You know, you guys are doing chemo, you guys are doing radiation, you've already done surgery, but what can I do? Because, you know, it, it's very important for them. And so I don't, you know, this is, these aren't the ho- hospital recommendations. They're not the guidelines yeah. and they're not our, our departmental guidelines because, you know, we don't have any specific ones on diet. And so I tell them that I'm like, look, this is, this is purely my, my views on this, but I do research outside of neurosurgery into this. And, you know, and I don't, I don't feel that it's ethical to withhold that information from people because there, there's a lot of very strong evidence to show that 
going on a ketogenic diet or a carnivore diet actually does significantly improve uh, cancer outcomes. It just does. Mm -hmm. And it's going to significantly improve their health in a number of other ways as well. And if they're as healthy as they can be, their body's going to be able to recover from surgery better. There's going to be, uh, be able to recover from, uh, you know, pain better. There's going to be able to, uh, get over cancer, or at least have a better fighting chance of this. So I, I don't feel it's ethical to withhold that information from people, but, you know, I, I, I try to make it very clear to them that, you know, there aren't huge randomized control trials that can show one way or the other. There are animal models. There are, you know, quite very, quite good animal studies looking at various cancers. And there are treatment groups around the world that are putting people on a high fat ketogenic diet or even a carnivore diet and having absolutely exceptional results with, with cancer and other, other issues. I, you know, myself treat people with autoimmune diseases and, mm -hmm. and other, other issues, and they just go away. They just melt away. And so I, you know, I tell people that and I, and I give them the resources and say, look, look at this researcher, look at this doctor, look at, you know, Thomas Seafried in Boston, look at paleomedicina in Hungary, look at all these different sorts of things. And here are the studies, here are the different resources. You look at that, you decide what you want to do. This is what I do. That's what I practice. And, and that's what I think is the most healthy way to go, but you decide for yourself. And so I, I think that that is, um, I think that's a very important part of medicine is getting people on a proper diet because, you know, I, I don't, you know, all these chronic diseases like heart disease, diabetes, even cancer, Alzheimer's and uh, autoimmune disorders, these things all increased dramatically after we, we changed what we were eating, uh, you know, after that 1977 declaration, people listened, they took that to heart and they, you know, in America, we reduced our, uh, fat and cholesterol intake by 30% reduced red meat by around 33% and increased fruits and vegetables by 30 and 40% respectively and grains and sugars, of course. Mm -hmm. And what were the results? You know, the obesity rate tripled, heart disease tripled, stroke rate tripled, cancer rates tripled, type two diabetes, autoimmune disorders, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and even neurodevelopmental delays such as autism all increased exponentially. They almost didn't exist before then. And now they're the only things we treat and they all increased the exact same time. So there's something going on in the environment. Something happened. That's not genetic. You can't you can't do that with population genetics. Anyone who studied population genetics knows that uh, knows that that is not possible uh, to do in in that short of a time. And so something happened in our environment. This is an exposure uh, re response relationship. So we've been exposed to some sort of harmful something, poison, radiation, nuclear fallout, something, something major though. And I, you know, I think that it's, that it has to do with our diet. And when you, when you remove that exposure, when you remove the food and put people on a, a biologically appropriate species specific diet, which is a high fat carnivore diet, these diseases just go away. Their heart disease goes away. Their diabetes goes away. Their autoimmune issues go away. Cancers go away you know, or, or significant, significantly benefited by it anyway. And so I don't think that these are, these diseases are actually diseases. I think that they're toxicities, you know, I think that this is a toxic buildup of species inappropriate diet and a lack of species specific nutrition. So we're malnourished and we're poisoned. So too many plants, not enough meat. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's, the most important aspect of medicine is getting the nutrition, right? Because mm -hmm. otherwise you're treating all of these diseases, these so-called diseases that don't need to be treated. You're putting a bandaid on something instead of removing it. It's like, you know, you know, it's like, you know, ancient Rome when they had lead pipes and then for generations, people just had low grade lead, lead poisoning. People say, Oh, well, that's just how you age. It's just how you grow. That's just, that's just normal. And eventually someone figured out, well, no, that's not normal. That's not what you're supposed to do. That's not 
how you're supposed to, to, to age and they figured it out. And so I think right now we're living in our era of lead pipes, which is, you know, eating a lot of plants and sugar. Um, and that's, and, and we don't realize it. we're in the middle of it now. So we, we can't see it, but you know, me on the outside looking in that is, that is exactly what I'm seeing. And when you remove this, when you get people to stop drinking water with lead in it, all of a sudden they just get better on their own. So instead of spending $2 billion to make some novel drug to then, you know, just mitigate and slowly, you know, screw with the, the, the mechanisms of this disease, you just remove the problems, you know, I mean, you could, you could do that with lead. You could get some novel drug that you've spent billions of dollars on to, you know, mitigate and slow the, the, the damage that lead does to you. So you can die slowly over 40 years, or you can recognize that you're being poisoned by lead and remove the damn lead. Mm -hmm. And so that is what I'm trying to do for people and trying to get them to understand that this is what's going on so that we can get that out. And then we can actually focus on real medicine, like, you know, injuries, you know, pregnancy and childbirth, uh, you know, genetic and congenital issues, traumas, and then, you know, poisonings at being a little, little finger of that, right. you know, and um, instead of chronic disease, which is like 85% of what we do in medicine. Now that right. should not be there. That just shouldn't exist. And it doesn't matter what, what medical system you have, that is the cause of all healthcare crises because we're spending trillions of dollars more than we need to treating diseases that shouldn't exist and they don't, and they won't exist if you don't eat that way. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, uh, it is something that I try to incorporate into my practice as much as I can, just to, just to give people the opportunity to really take control of their health and their, and the direction of their lives. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I feel like everyone listening is going to try. So if you want to DM me, ask me any questions about my experience, or you can DM Dr. Anthony, I'm sure he'll love to answer your questions as well. So we'll post all of his links in the show notes. So you guys can check out all the information and we're excited for you and your journey with all the meats and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow along with us on Instagram at Shocker Girl Co. And if you loved this episode, please give us a five-star review and write us a little comment. We'd love to hear from you.